What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Black Menaces Podcast. My name is Nate Bird, and my other host is... Rachel Weaver. We are so excited to be back with you guys, and happy Thanksgiving um, to those who celebrate Thanksgiving this week, and happy days off if you have work off, school off. Enjoy that time. There you go. Happy uh, gratitude break. Yeah. We'll jump right into our menace moment. Um, Rachel, you got that for us? Yes, I do. Okay, so the minutes moment for today is actually from the recent um, elections that happened, the midterm elections, and it is about the first Gen Z um, representative we have, and his name is Maxwell Frost. So I'm just going to give a little background on him and why I think he's a menace just for, you know, being the youngest representative in uh, Congress right now. <clears throat> so Maxwell Frost was born on January 17th. 1996 and his um family his great his grandma was born in cuba which is interesting and then came his grandma and his mom came to florida um, from cuba during the freedom flight in the early 1960s um but he was adopted by a puerto rican woman um yes okay wait sorry it was kind of confusing how i was reading he was adopted by a puerto rican woman and a Haitian father, um, because his bio- biological mother had seven children and struggled with drug addictions, just with a lot of things that people, you know, who live in poverty when they're immigrants come over and deal with. Um, and so that was kind of his background. And um, he has been able to really been a leader for gun violence overall and has fought for a lot of legislation that has helped to um, save a lot of lives and has worked for more gun control. He has also fought for abortion rights with the ACLU. Um, he also led the ACLU of Florida's fight to win Amendment 4, which restored voting rights to over 1.6 million people in Florida mm. because they have felony convictions. So he helped to change that and get them access to being able to vote. He also led a voter turnout program, has held... Um, like held drives to help youth like young people come to vote um he also he's just done so much he helped secure this is it's a help secure an unprecedented five billion dollars during a community-based violence prevention program in biden's presidential budget proposal did you say five billion with a b with a b i don't think he this is i'm reading this of what I found online. Now, that's a do lot, I think yeah. he helped? He helped to be a part of it. Does mm-hmm. that mean that he did all the five billion? Probably no. Right, right. But did right. he help? Probably. So, um, still, that's a good. That's a nice uh, thing to have on your resume. Period. Um, but he started organizing around in 2012 with uh, the Obama campaign, the second term, and um, and then he also volunteered um, with the Newton Action Alliance. Um, which was an organization created in response to the Sandy Hook school shooting. And um, the spot, the position that he has, the title is the representative elect for Florida's 10th congressional district. Mm-hmm. And um, he is also the first Afro-Caribbean mem- member of Congress, which is cool. Wow, is and cool. when he was um, running, he was endorsed by Jesse Jackson, former NAACP president, been jealous civil rights activist Dolores 
Her- Herta, I'm saying that very wrong. Sorry to all my Spanish speakers. Um, and then U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Um, and something really cool and random is he played at the um, at old President Barack Obama's second inauguration with his um, band, and he was um, a jazz drummer, and he also plays the temples. Wow, that's impressive. And you said he started he started organizing during Obama's second term. Mm-hmm. In twenty twelve, so he was probably so ninety seven. He's two years older than me, so that means he's twenty five. Yeah, that's crazy. So he was like so, he was like sixteen, seventeen like out here organizing. 16. I mean, it makes sense. Like because yeah. in high school I was involved in stuff. I mean, I wasn't doing this, but <laughs> I was like, it so makes sense. And mm-hmm. um he has he's had experiences with gun violence in his life, and I think mm-hmm. that's really what started his um involvement in politics is um, working for more gun control. That makes sense. Well, Loki, that ties in perfectly with like what we're talking about today. It does. Um, so shout out to Maxwell Frost, the first Gen Z in Congress. Um, we are all looking up to you, and we hope to throw some more of us up there to balance the scales absolutely. of what we got going on in the House and Senate. <laughs> yeah, we need a lot more because the whole like old people running the, the government is not really working out great for us. Uh-oh. They don't want us to, like, they think it's unfair that we have, like, they, they think it's unfair that we have to pay off our student loans, even though it's like the interest is higher than the loans. They don't want us no, to have health care. They don't want us to have social security. Like, these are all things that they're benefiting from, but they don't want it for us. So it's like, why are y'all well, still? And, and it's crazy because, like, college wasn't that expensive when they were going to school. No, it was like the same $5. Way that buying a house wasn't, well, exactly. The same way that buying a house wasn't expensive when they were mm-hmm. buying a house. So it's just crazy that they're holding these standards because they just want to benefit. But, like, they didn't have any of the same challenges. Yeah. Do you? I don't remember the name of it, but it was like one of the first um, like little neighborhoods where you could like buy a home. I think it was in like the 1940s, right after World War II. It was up in New York, I think, and it was like they barred African Americans from buying homes there, but white people could buy houses there. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm-mm, no, uh, I don't know this. I don't remember the name of it. it it's I don't know, it, but it was kind of like one of the first places that housing discrimination um, became like a, a thing, right in the North. Um, but it was I saw this picture and it was just an old ad for a home in this neighborhood. And it was mm. the home. The entire home was eleven thousand dollars for the whole home. This was in the 19, I think, 40s or 50s. And I was like, man, eleven thousand dollars like that won't even get yeah. you like that'll barely get you a car now, you know. Literally, let alone and a what's house. crazy is like stuff like that is like how generational wealth is is built. Like mm-hmm. people don't realize like a house, like that's a small, like that's one of the main contributors to why the wealth gap is the way it is. Is just the amount of property that white people own. Right. Like if your if your grandparents bought a home in that neighborhood, and they kept it and gave it to their parents, and your parents live there yep. now, that home is worth. You know, probably bare minimum in New York City, bare minimum is going to be worth like, right, a million dollars. Right. And they paid eleven thousand dollars for it. You know, so stuff like that. And then black people were purposely barred from being able to purchase homes in places like that all over the north. Um, And so, you know, it's things like that where it's like there were there were things put in place to to prevent. Uh, to prevent or to 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 provide certain advantages to white people, and that's yep. something that definitely need, people need to be aware of, and then also acknowledge. Period. Uh, yeah. Well, 
today we're actually going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, in, in keeping with the theme of Maxwell Frost, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, gun control. And uh, we want to do this, um, I don't know if tactfully is the right word I'm looking for, but, you know, in a, we want to be very sensitive in light of the, the two shootings that just took place last week. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the two that made the news anyway, because there's there's quite yeah. a few, I think, there's probably been like two or 300 shootings this year. I guess a mass shooting is anything where I think four or more people die or three or more people die. Mm-hmm. I think it's three or more. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, when with that criteria, I think there have been a couple hundred. I know there's a couple hundred every year, but um, they, they're trending upwards. Um, but the two that happened last week, there was a shooting at the University of Virginia where a young man um, ended up shooting um, shooting up a bus and he shot three football players in the head, three University of Virginia football players. Mm-hmm. And I believe he injured five others. Um, and the, yeah, those three football players died, but they were on their way back from a field trip. They had just gone to DC to watch a play. And so they came back and um, I, I'm not sure if uh, the shooter was on the bus already or if he got onto the bus. I think he was on it already, but yeah, he, he shot them in the head and then tried to shoot a few others and he just walked off the bus and fired some shots in the air and then went on the run and after about 12 hours um they found him um about 80 miles away and arrested him and brought him in um and this one was a little bit different because it was a, a young black man that that did it which is not the norm for these shootings um and there hasn't i, I was looking and there was there not, there's not a lot of details on what the motive was for it or why it happened um, but that was that was the first shooting. And then on Saturday night, uh, there was a club in Colorado Springs. I think it's called Club Q. Mm-hmm. Um, and a young man uh, walked into the club on Saturday night with a rifle and I think another firearm and started firing shots into the crowd. And he killed five people and injured about 25. I think that's right. It, it might it could be a couple of more. Um, but he he killed at least five people, and then injured you know somewhere between twenty five and thirty others in the process. Um, and then uh, some people in the club were able to to wrestle the gun away from him, and um, somebody actually beat him with his own gun, which um, you know I want to be sensitive, but that was that was well deserved. And then um, yeah, the, you know the police showed up, they responded to the scene, and they were able to take him away. Um, but yeah, now we're left to deal with this and you know they're still exploring a possible motive for that but this was a an lgbtq club um and uh, the the person that felt targeted no matter what right exactly you know if he just wanted to shoot people he could have gone anywhere he could have gone to a movie theater he could have gone to a supermarket right a regular bar yeah but he specifically chose a gay club and so it's hard to believe that this wasn't a hate crime right they're still they're always hesitant to to say whether it is but it's likely that this will end up being a hate crime um or classified as a hate crime um the thing that was interesting about this one though is that some you know some other evidence came out suggesting that or not suggesting but proving that this shooter and let me look up his name really quick um it's like anderson Anderson Lee Aldridge. He's 22 years old, and um, he is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. And um, yeah, that was that was interesting to learn about 
And the way that, at least the way that I found out, I was reading an article and it talked about how his mother, you know, it was talking about basically where the shooter, it was kind of doing like a little mini profile on the shooter. And uh, one of the things that they mentioned was that his mother had posted about him in a group for LDS women in the Colorado Springs area, you know, asking, hey, does anybody have access to mental health services and this and that? Um, And there were a couple other things that she had asked. Let me see if I can. This article is really long. Yeah, but she had posted in there asking if anybody knew like some mental health services that they could reach out about. And something else. Yeah, I won't try to find it right now because it's a very long article. Um, but that, you know, even that wasn't wasn't the worst part. The worst part of this was that in 2021, um, he was involved in a bomb threat where he literally threatened to blow up his mother in, in her home um, with a bomb that I guess he made or something like that. Wait, what? I didn't even know this. Yeah, he was upset with her. And uh, so, yeah, this was in like a 2021 report. Uh, or it was a false bomb threat is what this says. Um, oh, that's what it was. His uh, his mother had posted in the Facebook group asking if anybody knew a top-notch criminal defense attorney. And it was oh. around the time of this bomb threat. Um, the reason it's not really well known is because he was never prosecuted for it. Um but this says, according to June 18th, 2021 press release from the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, the reporting party said her son was threatening to cause harm to her with a homemade bomb, multiple weapons, and ammunition. Oh, wow. All right. Um, and then they uh, they realized that the suspect was in a residence a mile away. So when police showed up, they responded to the scene, and they realized that he was a mile away. Um, the deputies contacted him by phone. He refused to surrender. And a tactical support unit responded to the scene and began evacuating 10 homes in the area as a precaution. Eventually, he complied and walked out the front door after a crisis negotiations unit became involved. Um, he was booked in the El Paso County Jail on charges of felony menacing and first-degree kidnapping. <laughs> but um, he was never Sorry, prosecuted. Sorry, menacing is just funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, the kind of, uh, not the kind of... Not the kind of menace menacing we want to see. Right, but. exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the thing was, he was never prosecuted for this, and no formal charges were ever filed. And uh, it's believed this because his grandfather is a Republican representative in Colorado, or I'm sorry, not in Colorado, in uh, San Diego. Mm. Yeah, his name is uh, Randy Vo- Vopi Vopel Vopel. I don't know, but mm. um, yeah, so. He is um, he's a representative in California's 71st Assembly District, and uh, it's in the San Diego area. But yeah, his uh, it's believed that because his grandfather is a politician, he was um, he had those charges removed. So he threatened to blow up his mother, and instead of going to jail for it, he was allowed to stay out. He was allowed to get access to firearms and then go shoot up this club. Um, yeah. Which I've talked enough, Rachel. What are your thoughts? I mean. What I think is really interesting whenever we talk about gun control is just it's very um and just like these situations I think it's it's quite interesting and I think the media um one of the best things is like we're more aware of these things happening than before maybe than we would have maybe I don't know how many years ago before social media we learned about them quicker and faster which I think is exposing people to the issues of like mental health and like people's access to guns um 
and I, it's a very touchy topic for a lot of people, but me personally, my association with like firearms is like, I see it as death because I come from inner city Chicago. So like growing up, if someone had a gun, it's normally one of two purposes to protect themselves because of like um, gang violence near them or um, they do want to harm someone. Either way, like nobody has a gun recreationally in Chicago that I know of. Everyone has it for a purpose. And so I'm always like confused and still to this day, I don't think I'll ever be a person that's like, yeah, having guns recreationally is cool. Like I genuinely don't understand people who want to have guns just for kicks and giggles. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't understand why people don't want more restriction on them because if you really, really want a gun, you should wait the like all the time that it takes to get a gun and all the hoops that you got to go. If you really want that gun, like here are all the things that you should go through to get it. Um, because people have access to them way too quickly. And there's a lot of things that are involved with like gun violence. And like, I one time watched this documentary about like, um, cause guns are illegal in Chicago, but there's still a ton of guns, but they're being filled by the police low key. And like, there's a bunch of stuff going on with that. And people have lots of debates about those things. But um, overall, I think um, it just shows that we need to have more regulation of some sort. I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily believe they need to be 100% gone because, I mean, that is in the amendments, whatever, go off. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, there needs to be more, um, there needs to be more things done. And, like, people who have guns need to take better care of them. And, like, um, because these people who do this, it's normally, it is associated with mental health issues of some degree. Um, And whether they were able to have the gun themselves, why are they able to have a gun without passing certain background checks? And two family members who have guns that they maybe took them from or wherever, like, why didn't they have it in a place that was locked up that they wouldn't be able to have access to? So I think it just exposes, like, several issues on, like, the way that guns are treated in America. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think we are going to a time where we need to reevaluate what that looks like and, like, what that process is going to be. Yeah, I agree. And I think the frustrating thing is that on this issue, I feel like everybody agrees for the most part. But it's become a very heavily politicized issue. And I'll explain kind of what that means. Like if you go up to the most diehard Republican, um, you know, far right MAGA Trump supporter and you say, hey, do you like, you know, anybody that's like a gun owner and you say, hey, do you believe that a crazy person should be given a gun? They're going to say no. Right. And that may seem like an extreme. Like, you know, do you believe that somebody um, with suicidal ideation should be given a gun? Do you believe that somebody with severe like you know, a tendency for violence should be given a gun, they're going to say no. Because, you know, in, um, you know, just to, to say it out loud, it makes perfect sense. If people are in a, in a vulnerable state or in a, you know, a state that's mm-hmm. not safe to themselves or to other people, then they shouldn't have a firearm. Nobody in their right mind is going to disagree with that. Um, the issue comes in is that it's been turned into a political issue. And instead Seriously. of actually addressing the problem, uh, political parties are blaming each other. All right, this should absolutely be something that is very easily bipartisan. But the problem also is that a lot of our politicians are extremely corrupt. Um, you know, we we like to have this idea that America, American government, is like working perfectly and it's all pure and things, but really, it's run by um, by big businesses, and they just instead of calling it bribes, they call it quote unquote special interests. All right, so they like pay you all of this money 
to support their causes, to introduce bills that they want to see, um, you know, done. And the NRA, the National the National Rifle Association, they're one of the biggest perpetrators of that. They give so much money to Republican candidates to, uh, you know, to, to support the Second Amendment right and all of this kind of stuff yeah. and to allow, um, you know, more or less regulation of firearms and things like that because their whole thing is they want to pump out more guns, you know, provide more firearms, sell them, whatever the case. Um, you know, it's a, it's a money-making venture, and it's turned into mm-hmm. almost a religious sort of thing, right? I have no problem with with people owning guns. I have no problem with them using them. Um, I don't understand. I do have a problem, I think, but okay. Well, I was but I understand so, people who live in the country. People who live <laughs> in the country and deal with crazy animals, I guess, whatever. Yeah. I just come from inner city, so for me, right, I'm like, right, I right. don't understand why you need a gun. Like, I genuinely don't. I under, so the, so I understand the purpose of using it to protect yourself and to protect your family and things like that. As far as like recreational use, I don't really think that that would be me personally. Like I'm not just going to be like, "Hey, want to go out and, you know, go shooting for no, you know, like I I will do be- that, but I'll do that to like practice. Like I've gone to a shooting range before to like practice and get better at it, but it's for the sole purpose of like being able to to know how to use it in case I need to use it. Like I don't own a gun right now, but I want to eventually. And when I do, I'm going to keep the mag separate from it. I'm going to keep it in the safe and I'm going to use it. And, you know, if, if there's ever a situation where I need to defend myself, then that's what I would use it for, you know, to protect myself and my family. But as far as like being a gun collector and like, you know, I, I knew somebody in Texas who literally had a safe it was like a like a ten foot by ten foot safe, and it was just full of guns. They had like machine guns and and revolutionary era, like revolutionary war era rifles and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, well, this is this is this is cool, but I don't understand why you would ever like put this much into it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, no, that's to each their own, right? That's some people's mentality. Um, but the issue comes in is where it's so easy to access firearms. Like, if you want to be a collector, if you want to use your guns to go hunting, whatever, fine. However, there are certain people that have no business owning um, firearms. You know, like the same way that we strip felons of the right to vote. Um, mm-hmm. I think, well, you know, it is also illegal for, for felons to own firearms. But um, I think that we definitely need to put more regulation on the process of getting a gun, right? Like, yes, everybody has the right to bear arms, but you shouldn't have that right if you are not in a state to keep yourself or other people safe. You know, I have I have a friend who was telling me about um, how they own a firearm, and there was a time where they weren't feeling, or they were feeling very vulnerable. They weren't feeling, um, you know, the safest, feeling kind of suicidal. And so they actually took that firearm and they took it to a friend and said, hey, I'm not feeling the greatest right now. I need you to hang on to my gun for me until I'm feeling better. And so the friend took it and then they went back to their home. They were able to, you know, to to get into a better headspace and they went and got their firearm back. Those kinds of, of steps, um, I think, would go a long way in in just kind of preventing these kinds of things from happening because it's only getting worse. Things are trending upwards. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I mean, if you think about the way that, like, um, the way the other amendments are in, are implemented it's not Mm -hmm. just like a free-for-all like oh yeah everyone has the right to freedom of speech in one way like you have the freedom to say whatever you want to the government so the Mm -hmm. government cannot like come and like 
come and take you and like punish you. Right, but you can't yell bomb but, in like, the airport. You don't have the freedom of speech to just say whatever you want about an organization, about another person. Mm-hmm. People can see you for defamation. Like you do not like that. There's ways that that doesn't apply in the same way, and I think that that's the same thing with this. Like everyone has the right to bear arms, mm-hmm. but that comes with a little asterisk the same way that like freedom of speech does freedom of assembly. Cause like we have the free freedom to assemble, but at BYU, a private institution, they have a rule that like you cannot protest here without getting it approved. Right. right? But that's like the federal law. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Or even so in I the city, you have to get, get a permit. That's an excellent point. So that's just my thing that I'm like, there's like other amendments work this way. And I don't know why people are all of a sudden being literal and acting like every other amendment doesn't have clauses on how it's emphasized and how it's implemented. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I've honestly never even thought about that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like we have the right to free speech, but we can't yell bomb in in an airport. We can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We have the right to assemble, but you still got to like go through the proper channels Talk to yeah. the city, get a permit. We have the freedom of religion, but you also can't be out. Like, what's his, what's the name of the dude? Uh, Jeff, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that guy. Um, yeah. Jeff Warren? Jeff Warren. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, he's in prison because the things that he was doing did not fall under freedom of religion, you know? Um, yeah, I've never thought about that. But, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then when it comes to this, it's just been, like, monetized and privatized and politicized to the point where people just think they can do whatever and they think that bearing arms means you can just have whatever you want. But yeah, you know, it's like I said earlier, I feel like if we sat down and put the politics part aside, I think we would all agree that someone who is suicidal should not have access to to go and buy a gun. Like it's one thing if you already own one, but if you can just walk into any, any gun shop, like in Utah right now, I can walk into a gun shop, buy a gun in about five minutes, 10 minutes. And there's no, like, I don't have to have a license. I don't have to have any kind of... Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually... Um, it's not someone that I know, but it's someone that... Um, it's someone that uh, that someone else knows. Someone I know through someone. Um, but they were feeling suicidal. And they realized that they could just walk into, a, like, a shop in Utah and buy a gun. And, you know, nobody asked any questions. Nobody's like, why are you buying this gun? They just were able to walk in, get a gun. And then walk out and they didn't end up going through with it. But still, the fact that they were able to go and purchase a gun in like five right. minutes, um, there needs to be more more regulation on those kinds of things. You know, there needs to be some kind of like the same way that like my my driver's license, it has a little star in the corner. That means that I can mm-hmm. travel to Canada. Right. I can travel to to Mexico. Um, it wouldn't be that hard to add, you know, if you if you want to go and get a, a, a license to carry a gun. Then you have to go through a mental health evaluation. And then once mm-hmm. you go through that evaluation, you get a little star on your driver's license or whatever that means, hey, you can buy as many guns as you want as long right. as you're, you know, you're stable. And maybe you have to go in and get reevaluated every so often, something like that. But there needs to be something in place, um, you know, and then the, the way that guns are just sold on the street, there's black market guns. I think they call it like ghost guns. Or whatever, where oh, you can like buy parts I of a gun. I know nothing about guns. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I didn't. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a lot of stories. I have a, f- a friend of a friend who stopped the school. Need friends who's... of friends. You mean your friends of friends? <laughs> I got a lot of friends of friends. Friend of friends. But this person actually stopped the school shooting um, at Utah State. No. Yeah. So they figured. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, basically, they saw a bunch of like little packages coming in and they realized that they were different gun parts. Um, and somebody was ordering pieces of, of, of guns and assembling it. They were assembling a, an automatic rifle 
And so he reported it to the police. And yeah, this person had like plans to to carry out a shooting. And so they were buying these parts separately so that the gun couldn't be traced to them. So, you know, things like that, where it's just like, it shouldn't really be possible to even mm-hmm. do that. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. Well, if somebody knows more about guns, and, and I would think it would be interesting if like someone who like is pro gun would also be pro gun control because i feel like that's also hard part of it is like people like me who like you know pretty left-leaning you know need for guns we're like yeah gun control gun control and so that's part of the re- issue of why it's been politicized is that we don't i don't feel like the media in particular or even the voices we see talking about these issues um in terms of more regulation it's not people who really own guns i feel like or people who are like have guns go through the process i don't know if you feel that way but at least what i see at least in my own circles you know the echo chamber of my own social media is it's a majority of people who like don't care for guns themselves um and i personally would love to hear more from like the people who you know care for guns want them but are like um you know also pushing for regulation i think their voices should be the other, to persuade the other side a little more Absolutely. I agree. I think um, I think that would be huge. And I, to be honest, I feel like I feel like that's a, a decent majority of people. Like, I just I don't know. I just can't imagine a conversation that I have with an intelligent person where they say. I think that, you know, anybody in any mind state should be able to have a firearm at any time. You know, it just. I don't know. Like like you said, like for you, you're more you're more on the left leaning side of gun control where it's like you're more for like more um, stringent regulations. And I'm more so like as long as you know how to use it and as long as you can use it properly, I think you should be able to use it. You know, and I'm like, nah, you can just let the whole thing go. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Mm. It's interesting to a person. If everyone was a good person, we wouldn't need them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty true. Yeah. That's not the world we live in, I know, but... Right, right, right. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Do we want to go to our recommendations for the week, Nate? Yes, let's do that. Recommendations for this week? Well, I don't know. It's going to be Thanksgiving. Oh, you know what? I had a recommendation that I've been meaning to talk about for a minute because it's, it's okay. getting to be that time. This is called the Tim Tam Slam. You will thank me for this. So Tim Tam is an Australian biscuit, um, otherwise known as a cookie in America. But it's basically like a chocolate, like it's like a chocolate cookie, um, like a chocolate cookie sandwich dipped in chocolate. Right. And it's very tasty just by itself. But what you got to do is you take some hot cocoa and then you take the Tim Tam. And these are they're kind of difficult to find. Um, you can usually find them in Walmart around the holidays. Um, if you are at BYU, they usually have some Tim Tams in the BYU like gift store or whatever. Okay, you bring it one to our next recording, then Nate Tim Tams. But we will try them live on the air, so I'll find some Tim Tams. But um, yeah, you take the Tim Tam, you bite off like a tiny portion on either end, and then you use it like a straw. You suck the hot chocolate through the Tim Tam. And then you eat the whole oh. thing, and it is so good. The Tim Tam gets all soft, and it's, like, full of chocolate and milk. And then it's, like, the melted chocolate, and you eat it. And it's it's Australian chocolate. It's not American chocolate. So it tastes good. It doesn't taste like wax. And that oh. is bomb. So the Tim Tam Slam, hot cocoa and Tim Tams, I highly recommend it. I do it every year. 
and uh, that will never change. Mm. Okay, my recommendation for the week, I don't even know if I have one. I've been so, like, just living life. Um, recommendation, I think. My recommendation is this. This is not really, like, an item, but I recommend, you know, at the holidays, sometimes it reminds you of, like, relationships that are strained. Um Mm-hmm. My recommendation is to reach out to somebody you know you need to talk to. That's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in this big like healing mindset and like um, family relationships are really important to me. So if there's any family members you know you need to reach out to, um, you've been avoiding a conversation or you know you need to apologize or you need to accept someone's apology, I recommend taking the steps towards that because that really can make a difference. And life is so short. And just with people dying every day and thinks this world is crazy and you never know when someone's going to leave you. Um, and you want to be on, I mean, the best, obviously you can't control every person, but try to do as much as you can to have the best relationship with the people, especially your family members. Um, so that's my recommendation for the week. Good stuff. And with that, we're going to let y'all go. Have a good rest of your week. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, enjoy your turkey and mac and cheese because that's a side. And sweet potato pie. Dish. Hot take. Pumpkin pie is trash. And I don't agree. <laughs> Wait. Do oh, you like sweet potato pie? No. You Like not at all? At all. Oh, my goodness. See, I can eat pumpkin my pie. Take, I just prefer sweet potato pie. Take, my Thanksgiving hot take is I don't think mashed potatoes should be there. I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Because you already got sweet potato casserole. You don't really need mashed potatoes. Yes. Right. Also, um, I really hate stuffing. That is nasty. Facts. It's, it's stale. It's cru- some, somebody took some croutons out of their pantry croutons. and added water. Literally. But do you like dressing? If you, you ever had dressing, go find a black mm-hmm. person or somebody from the South. Yep. Dressing is where it's at. You got to get some dressing. Cornbread dressing is the way to go. It'll change your life. Period. All right, now we're going to let you go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Peace. That's the show for today. We were super excited to be able to talk with you about the wonderful topics of the Black Menace podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Black Menaces. And subscribe to our Patreon, The Menace Society, for bonus content and footage of both the podcast and our videos. We look forward to hearing from y'all in our email. You can email us menacemoments and other questions that you may have for us. Be sure to email blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com to get those menace moments and questions flowing into our inbox. We'll answer you on the podcast and respond to you in the email. And remember, always be a menace. Thank you, guys.